It's your favorite host again, Rita Pierre, CEO and founder of Frida Women NYC. You are now tuning in to episode eight of Frida's World Podcast, a platform where women of color like myself can have open, honest, and candid discussions about our experiences being professional women both in and out of the workplace. So like I said, it's episode eight, and I just want to take this time to again thank everybody for listening in, commenting, liking, subscribing, sharing, and basically helping Frida's world get to where it is now. We're only eight episodes in, but we've seen the growth from the first episode to now. And I'm just really, really thrilled that we really, you know, we have the support um, of the community and we have the engagement that we have now. And we're really looking to take Frida's world, you know, to the next level. And I just, again, just want to thank you guys because without the listeners there, I mean, I'd be just talking to myself and listening to myself. So thank you so, so much. So today I have the privilege of having the fabulous, illustrious Florence St. Jean as my guest. Hello, Florence. Hello, Rita. <laughs> Thank you for being here today. How do you feel? How do you feel? I feel great. Okay, it's a good day. Long day, but good day. Especially since you were, you know, turning it up over the weekend. I was. Oh my gosh. At the Haitian Roundtable 1804 list event, correct? Yep. I was there and it was amazing. And you were inducted into, I guess, the family. What is it? Explain a little bit about what this induction ceremony is because we hear about it, but we want to know what it's about. Yeah. So Haitian Roundtable started off um, with a group of Haitian people and they were sitting at round tables, honestly, and having conversations about Haitians and the image of Haitians and changing the narrative of what Haitians Haitians and Haitian professionals Mm -hmm. look like. And so they decided they wanted to start honoring um, Haitian professionals who are change makers and making major impacts in the United States. And so, um, so now every year they host a ceremony um, slash reception slash party slash networking thing (laughs) (laughs) where um, they pick the top 30 for whoever they feel for that year um, Haitian professionals um, and they are inducted into what they call the 1804 list which as you know 1804 represents the independence of Haiti. Okay, great. So how do you feel now being an inductee? It was great. Like, honestly, when I got the email, I don't know who nominated me, but um, I thought, I was like, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> so um, I was surprised that I was nominated, honestly. Like, I, I'm, like, very humbled by the work that we do, but um, not always thinking about it in that that kind of mm-hmm. context. So, um, but, you know, I'm happy that I went. I'm really, I was just really Felt very privileged, excited to be on the stage with the people that I was on the stage with. Um, because there's a lot of like people. I mean, with Berto was there, yeah, <laughs> the boxer. boxer. I was like, what? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, I was in my my um category with this health and medicine. You know, I was standing alongside the CEO of Kings County Hospital. Uh, yes, so yes. I was like. Kings County Hospital, I have outpatient clinic. That is no <laughs> comparison, you know? Um, you know, they had the writers for the New York yeah, Times. Yeah, New York Times. I can't remember her name, but um, I did see her there. And I was at a at a ladies' brunch with her in D.C., so okay. I recognized her. But I was like, they had all these great people. Great, great, great people. Olympic swimmers. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just, it was just 
phenomenal, phenomenal group of individuals. And um, and it was fun. Like, that was the other thing. I had a really good time as and well. And this year was a big year, though, right? It was like the fifth Back year, anniversary, fifth, fifth anniversary? anniversary. Yeah, fifth year anniversary right, so of the Haitian, of well, of the um, inductees. The inductees, Haitian, okay. Haitian Roundtable has been around longer than that, but the um, for the inductee ceremony, um five-year anniversary. Yeah. I really wish I was able to go. I saw, I mean, love Dr. Jeff. He was one yeah. of the MCs. And then Mona Scott Young, I was like, yeah. I want to talk to her about, you know, loving hip-hop. I know, I know, I but know. But I was like, you know, I was really they happy They were great. They do a great tag team duo for hosting. So that was cool. That's good. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm not sure if you're familiar with our tradition here on Frida's World, but we always name a Frida Woman of the Week. Mm-hmm. We name it on the on the podcast, and then at some point the rotation, we also feature them on our Frida Women Fridays. Okay. So of course we were um, we had considered you for a while now, but I was like, you know what? Since she's gonna be on the show this week, might as well also make her even more <laughs> giddy. Okay. Um, and name you Frida Woman of the Week. It's the first Thank time I was you. actually able to do that with somebody live. In yeah. person. I'm excited. I didn't know, by the way. I think this is a surprise. <laughs> was this supposed to be a surprise? It was supposed we, to be oh, a surprise. Okay, <laughs> I'm definitely surprised. I'm like, oh, I'm the Vader Woman of the Week. Thank you. <laughs> so, I will go ahead and read your bio to okay. the world. I know you know your bio, but we don't know your bio. Um, so, Dr. We forgot to say that earlier. Dr. Florence St. Jean is the Executive Director of Global Trauma Research, GTR, Florence believes her purpose is to be used by God and through leadership, help people attain their goals by means of prayer, education, counseling, and support. Florence trusts that anyone can get through a traumatic event with the right support. Florence is currently enrolled at Harvard Medical School. Are you still there? No, you graduated. Postdoc. Post post okay. I was a postdoc from we're, last we're, year. We're going to yeah. get into that as mm -hmm. well, too, Dr. Mm -hmm. Florence. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but Florence is, uh, let's see here. So you're a postdoc now in the global mental health still? Yep. All right, great. Mm -hmm. Trauma and recovery, correct? Yeah. yeah. See, this is great that I actually get to have you correct me yeah, yeah. while I'm on, uh, while I'm live. So Florence, you earned a Bachelor of Arts degree in psychology and English, mm -hmm. Master of Science degree in mental health counseling, and a Doctor of Philosophy in Counselor Education and Supervision. That's yep. a lot of degrees. That is. A lot of letters. Yeah. A lot of school, right? A lot of time. <laughs> Florence is also a National Certified Counselor and Approved Clinical Supervisor. Mm -hmm. So under Florence's leadership, GTR has two main initiatives. The Trauma Center at HCC, where we are currently recording. We are. And what does HCC stand for? The Haitian Centers Council. All right. And we'll get into that as well, too. <laughs> and the Trauma Project. The Trauma Center serves as under serves, sorry, underrepresented people in New York City and tackles major issues such as domestic violence, sexual assault, gender and sexuality relationship issues, immigration, undiagnosed mental illness, and grief for Haitian Creole, French, and Spanish-speaking residents. Furthermore, Florence's staff work hand-in-hand -hand with the churches, community centers, and politicians to bring satellite support groups to people who are not ready for counseling. Florence is most proud, however, of GTR's international work via the Trauma Project, a training program for doctors, nurses, teachers, and religious leaders in developing countries. In the past four years, Florence and her team have trained over 400 laypersons. 
Furthermore, Florence's research has investigated treatment efficacy for post-traumatic stress in underrepresented groups, as well as incorporating alternative techniques such as play, music, art, and massage therapy in counseling. Florence has authored articles and presented at numerous national and international conferences on multicultural competencies, social justice issues, language barriers, spirituality in the millennial generation, and recruitment of African Americans in high, higher education. Recently, Florence expanded her teaching to a university faculty position. When not working, Florence enjoys traveling, dancing compa, volunteering in her church, and spending time with family and friends. Now, I believe I, I know I read this last year when you won an award or you received an award yeah. um, for our disaster relief um, group. But reading this again, I'm like, geez, Florence, yeah, <laughs> when do you we, have time to breathe? I think we need to shorten up that bio. I'm like, I said, <laughs> when do we have time for people to read that? Oh, no, I mean, well, so you know, long. listen, listen. But you know what, though? <laughs> it's one of those things like... I've always asked that question, like when you go to a church event and then you're like, why am I still here listening to this entire thing? But it's important to hear because it's like if you don't, if I never re actually read it out loud, like people won't really know all of the things that you do. Mm -hmm. And then they won't like they don't they won't appreciate all the things that you do because yeah. it's like, OK, you know, uh, Florence works at ACC. Right. With Some people ACC. might just or with with ACC, they might just see that. Or, OK, she's the executive director of the Global Trauma Research. Mm -hmm. But then they don't know, like, all of the other things and all of the accomplishments, because yeah. I'm sure there is a story to all of this that we just read. Absolutely, yeah. And I think that that's what's important. Yeah. So before we get into all things Florence, since you are my fellow Sagittarian, as I have discovered this morning, December 3rd. December 3rd. I'm December 4th. Yeah. Um, Sag babies. Sag babies. Mm -hmm. Now, are you into the Zodiac as much as, I mean... I, I'm only into my sign. I don't know any other... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know any other signs. It's funny because my friends who are really into it, you know, they're constantly saying, oh, that person's a Virgo. That means this, that means that. And I have no idea what those things mean. <laughs> All I know is what Sagittarius represents. And that's, and that's it. it. <laughs> See, you're See I, I like that, though, because I have some friends who are like, uh, you know, this is not of God or, you know, the Zodiac. We don't have time for this. You don't believe it. And I'm like, I don't live my life by it. So I don't wake up in the morning saying, oh, let me read the horoscope. Don't Let's walk out today. today. I stay yeah. home. I don't do that. Mm -hmm. But I do believe that there is something to it because it just is not a it's not a yeah. coincidence. And the Bible talks about like, you know, the sun, the moon, the stars, the, the mm -hmm. pool and all mm -hmm. the other stuff. I mean, I'm not a, you know, a astrologer or anything like that, but I know that there's something to it. There so, is, yeah. you know what that is. I don't know. But so with Sagittarius, since we we know the Sagittarian sign very well, mm -hmm. online always has a million different articles on like what each sign is. Yeah. So I'm going to bring up a couple of the personality traits and characteristics attributed to a Sagittarian women specifically. Mm -hmm. So this is not even just Sagittarians in general. This is Sagittarian women. Okay. And you let me know if you agree or disagree. Okay. Okay. So let's see here. Sagittarians, this is an honest woman, a straight shooter who speaks her mind. True or false? True. Um, but I will say this, is that I think that as I get, get older, though, I learn how to um, control what I say. <laughs> <laughs> and know the ramifications of what I say. Whereas... 
I say would say that that would be full blown in my early twenties, teens. Like I couldn't care less about mm-hmm. who was around and whatever came up here came out. You know, <laughs> whatever came up came my mind came out of my mouth. But um, I still am very honest and straightforward with what I have to say. But I'm very mindful about when to say it or if at all to say it. Okay, yeah, and that definitely comes with age. So there's, yes. there's a maturity factor. Yeah, there, there is yeah. definitely. Mm-hmm. Let's see. They also say, okay, so we are inspiring and spontaneous, but we can sometimes be seen as too aggressive or impatient by those who prefer a more subtle approach to life. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even deny it. Oh my gosh, I wish I could, but it's so true. <laughs> and you know what? That is funny because. I don't like to consider myself impatient, but then I, at times I'm like, I'm really not the most patient person. Like, I'm just really not. I like to just get things done, do things, you know, as soon as it gets there. I don't like to wait. I Um, mean, it depends on the situation. Like, I mean, for me, it depends. It really depends. So for example, with work, like I do expect excellence. And so when... Um, I'm not seeing excellence. Yeah, I do get a bit impatient. Mm. One thing I have learned, though, um, and again, a lot of these things are true, but then with maturity, life experiences, um, you know, also being spiritually grounded, you kind of have to rethink things. So um, I still feel that way, but I, um, I think I've learned a lot about how to control how it comes out or shows for other people. So... Um, now that I am the executive director of GTR and I have staff members and things like that, um, and, you know, I've had management or, you know, supervisorial positions before, but now that it's mine, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm very, very conscious of different personality styles, working styles, and um, knowing that not everyone is type A and is going to get it done the Mm -hmm. way that I expect. And so... Oftentimes, you know, things happen in, um, where I have to sit back and just say, okay, let it go, you know, even though I don't want to let it go. Or maybe I came off a bit aggressive and um, and I call in the staff and I, I apologize. And I say, but I'm apologizing because I expect better from you. And, you know, so it's You got to qualify the apology. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> But, you know, it creates, um, all in all, trying to really create a good working space. And so it's true. But at the same time, again, like we said earlier, with maturity, you know, you have to kind of rework it a little bit. Okay. No, I definitely agree. I mean, I think sometimes I do come off aggressive. But again, like, especially if you're in charge of something, you want it to be as close to perfect as possible. So you demand excellence from yourself because you're hard on yourself. I'm hard on myself too. So it's not like I'm out here barking orders to everybody else, but for myself, I have to hold myself to standards. Yeah. So sometimes it might not come off in the most finesse way, but at the end of the day, I think what you said is is important. It's understanding that, you know, sometimes an apology is required. Like Mm -hmm. I've I've grown before I didn't apologize to anybody. Same here. (laughs) (laughs) But as an adult, it's like, you know what, if I see how somebody could misinterpret something Mm -hmm. or something came off a little, you know, funny, I will apologize for how it came out, how you might have, you know, interpreted it. I don't know if that's the best type of apology, but, you know, it is what it is sometimes, you know, Mm -hmm. acknowledging, I guess. Um, So just, I guess, just another thing. Um, Sagittarians, we value independence and freedom. 
it's manifested both in a liberal open-mindedness and a dislike of feeling trapped or obligated. Yeah. I would say I feel the same. Like, yeah. I feel... I, yeah, these are good. Like, these, these are... Whoever... I need to figure out who actually wrote this because they yeah. actually are on point. Yeah. I hate feeling trapped. I hate feeling obligated to anything and anyone. Anything. It's a choice. You have, to, you have to feel like... Well, for me, anyway, I have to feel like I'm making a choice. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, hmm... She often does better with a strong-willed and independent partner rather than one who is too needy or possessive. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, 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 and yes. (laughs) Now, how has that, I guess, because I have the same tendency, too. I mean, I've been called Ice Queen. I've been called a lot of things. But, you know, how does that play into, I guess, knowing that we have this personality, how does that play into... Any type of relationships, even if it's not like necessarily romantic, but even with with friends, because mm-hmm. we have needy friends as well too. Yeah, like how do how do you manage that? Um, those don't go very well. Uh, <laughs> <me>. <laughs> um, like it's so weird because even not even damn not even that long ago, I actually remember saying to a friend of my good friend, I was like, you know, you're acting really needy right now. What's going on with you? <laughs> and so, um. I don't know. I think it's, it's, yeah. I think it's trying, you know, trying your best to adapt in the in the situation. I mean, it and it, oh no, and also it depends on what's going on. Like I, I do very well with crisis. Mm-hmm. So when someone is needy and there, it's a time of crisis for them, or a time of crisis for multiple people. Mm-hmm. Then I'm okay with that. But I think that. You know, I can't see you having a crisis every week. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like at some point it's not that serious. Yeah. 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 But, um, but, uh, but at the end of the day though, even with that though, I think that the same how I know that I have friends and they're not like me, they know that I'm not like them. Mm -hmm. And then so that creates somewhat of a, a balance. And overall, at the end of the day, it's the love of Christ as well. So even though, I am probably not saying the nicest things in the world because I'm annoyed. But um, I'm still, I still love you though, and I will say in like the next sentence of like, I love you, but listen. <laughs> so I think, you know, perhaps that work that has worked out um, because of that approach. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope anyway. Yeah, I know. I hope for all the listeners out there. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I just want to say I'm, so- I'm sorry and I love you. It's the sign. I'll send you the website link. You know, it's not me. <laughs> Somebody has analyzed us and has put it put it on the web. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I always find it interesting to talk to other people about, you know, signs. Because mm-hmm. for the majority, they're just like, ah, oh, we don't believe in that. But it's always so great to find somebody who actually, like, understands. Like, listen... We don't live our lives by this, but there is some, there's no, like what we just read here. And we're both like two that we didn't grow up, you know, in the same, you know, neighborhood. Mm -hmm. We, you know, we're not from the same church. Like, you know, we met each other in our adult lives and for us to have a lot of the similarities that we do. Yeah. It's it's no. No, I mean, this one, this particular one that you're reading is actually pretty on point. Like, I've read other you. ones where <laughs> I'm like, no, that's definitely not me. You know, but those, yeah, yeah kind of hit I'm it on the I'm going to send that link. I'm going to send that link. Yeah. All right, cool. So now that we've gotten, you know, our personality traits for the world to hear, right? I know, right? <laughs> um, so I did want to talk about you. Like, you know, mm-hmm. we went through your bio and there's just so much goodness in that bio. Like, I, I smell a story. I know there's a journey, especially being, you know, Haitian-American. We all have stories, right? Mm-hmm. So I just want you to kind of like take us through, 
you know, how you got to where you are now, like some of the challenges that you experienced, you know, getting your bachelor's, getting your master's, getting mm-hmm. your doctoral degree, and to now, you know, being the executive director of the Global Trauma Research, an organization that's doing, you know, great things, both domestic and abroad. Like, mm-hmm. that's huge. Yeah. So I, I need to hear the story. I need people to hear the story. Like, what? Tell us. Tell us all about you, Florence. <laughs> well, uh, honestly, this it's, it goes r- way back and probably like five years old when and you but not to say that I found my calling at the age of five you know but <laughs> um but there was a lot of domestic violence in my household and um, my mother was and is a survivor of domestic violence my father was a batterer and um and even then like I felt like there should have been resources or support or intervention, Mm -hmm. you know, for what was happening in my household. But we didn't have access to it, whether it was because of lack of knowledge, whether it was because of um, language um, um, capacity, uh, things like that. I don't really know. But I I do know that at that young age, I was like, something is not right here and we need we need help. Right. But at that time, I thought that and growing up for a very long time, I said, you know what? I wanted to be in schools because I wanted to help other children mm-hmm. that went through some of the same things and, you know, trauma that I went through. And so I thought for sure I was going to be an elementary school teacher. And I went into undergrad with that intended um, and majored in early childhood education. And then I started doing some teaching assistant <laughs> stuff. And I was like, whoa, I don't know if I want to be here. <laughs> I mean, I love the kids. I still do love children. And I um, love that, that the relationships. Mm-hmm. But standing in front of a chalkboard, I think it works great for a lot of people. But just particularly for me, it just wasn't mm-hmm. a right fit. And I found myself doing more one-on-one support. And um, and then after that, like literally I did TAing for about a year. And then I changed my major after that. Um, to psychology yeah and uh, never went back and I'm so happy that I didn't make (laughs) that decision Um, and um, and yeah so I think that that was a transition for me you know of course I made a you know a jump a career jump Um, but as I when I went into now the field of mental health I Mm -hmm. think that it reaffirmed what I already knew Mm -hmm. and so when I now started working in um, like the community and I started providing mental health support, I did actually work first as a, um, a counselor at a junior high school. Okay. And then I started working for family court and, you know, dealing with like kids who were truant or dealing with parents who wanted to give their kids up to group homes mm-hmm. or just dealing with like all kinds of like, you know, family court, all kinds of um, family challenges. court is wild. <laughs> super, family court is super wild. So, um, I, what I noticed, though, was that the challenges that I faced as a child, right, back in action, like now right in front of me, mm-hmm. and um, and I had an opportunity to provide the support that I was looking for back then. Okay. And, um, and 
I saw language as a barrier. I saw finances as a barrier, education, lack of resources, lack of knowledge, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So um, it was clear for me then, like, oh, yeah, this is this mm-hmm. is it. This is the thing. You know, this is the purpose. Um, so uh, I went on and said, okay, so it's time to get a master's then, you know? <laughs> so let's continue this now that I'm sure. And... Um, and yeah, and I think that those were just really, really great experiences for me, both professionally and educationally. And then um, I knew that um, I also wanted to do research, right? And um, and I wanted to be called a doctor. Yes. Let's be honest. Yes. <laughs> I'm still trying to find ways to be called a doctor. <laughs> yeah. Let's be honest. Like, I like that. And I liked what I was doing. So why not? Um, <laughs> so I went and said, let's do a doctorate degree. But I will say this, though. I moved to Pittsburgh for a few years to do the doctor. And, you know, we were talking about earlier with the sign and Sagittarius mm-hmm. and being a particular way and having a personality. That's, of course, that's who you are. So it is what it is, right? But I will say that my experience in Pittsburgh um, has, you know, all the stuff that I said, the, yes, that's true, but I learned blah, 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 mm-hmm. through maturity. But not only through maturity, through experiences, like... I went through a really bad depression while living in Pittsburgh. Oh wow. Yeah, it was pretty severe. Like I I never went through been through anything like that before. And I've been through all kinds of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, experiences, but this time it was different. And I think what was different for me was um support. I uh, I've gone through other challenging times in my life, but this was the first time I didn't have my family. I didn't have my friends. I didn't have my church. I didn't mm-hmm. have my community. You know, I didn't have all the different resources and the things that I usually tap into when I'm overwhelmed, you know, anxious, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. And so um, my symptoms were started off, they were pretty bad, started getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And um, that was the first time I went to therapy was... Um, living in Pittsburgh. Interesting. Yeah. Well, actually, I had been to therapy. No, let me correct that. I had been to therapy when I was a child, but that wasn't by choice. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But this time, you know, for a long time, I was selling this product, this Mm -hmm. mental health product, but I never bought it. I didn't buy it. And so it was extremely challenging for me to say, okay, I'm going to, I need therapy. Okay, I'm depressed. Okay, I'm clinically depressed. Mm -hmm. And so um, that was a great journey for many reasons. Um, You know, it changed my outlook as a a clinician. It changed my outlook on people. And hence, you know, what I was saying earlier about, yeah, I could be a little rigid, but (laughs) I've learned also to become very soft and very loving because of life experiences. Yeah. I would say life experience is definitely the greatest teacher. Tell me the about greatest it. teacher. Yep. Like you can hear, you know, your parents talk. You can you go to church and get the lectures, but until you go through the fire yourself, sometimes yeah, you have you're to. never gonna understand it. Yeah. But I think one thing you said that's very, very important is that, and actually very, I mean, kind of like you know, hit me like oh, is when you said that you know you were selling this product but you weren't buying it. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the biggest mistakes that a lot of people who are, whether they're in the medical field or whatever field, Mm -hmm. you know, they're pushing, you know, this this product, they're pushing their services or they're pushing whatever they are, but they actually either don't believe in it themselves 
and they don't buy into it. And so sometimes, you know, you wonder as a business owner or as a clinician or as a practitioner of some sort, mm-hmm. why people either might not be receptive or why you're still stuck where you are. It's because, you know, you're not fully invested. You're not yeah, fully, absolutely. you don't know the full realm of what it is that you're doing. Yeah. And I think that for me, like I've seen, you know, I've been to therapy, like kind of made my decision as well too. Like, you know, I'm overwhelmed, I'm overworked. I need some sort of outlet because sometimes church, friends, you know, significant other, whatever is not enough. Mm -hmm. And you do need that like, you know, third party or that third person who's like removed from your life, who's, you know, who has no, who's unbiased in a sense, you know, you can say whatever you can. And also who's a professional, who's trained. Exactly. (laughs) Which is the the biggest point, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So Mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, you definitely need that. But I think that, um, for people like me, and I think that maybe a lot of professional women kind of maybe experience the same thing that I experience. When you're educated and you go to somebody, it's like, you know, in your mind, you're kind of like, oh, I kind of know how to like trick this, you know, trick this person, trick mm-hmm. this clinician. So I think that if you're a clinician or a practitioner who's, you know, going forward in their business and you actually don't understand the full realm of what it is that you do and you Mm -hmm. haven't bought into it, I think that's where you'll find people who say, oh, you know, I went to that therapist. They're they're a joke. They don't know what they're doing. Uh, You know, because we're kind of diagnosing or we're analyzing the therapist. And I think that if you're not fully grounded, people will see right through you. Oh, absolutely. And so the importance of like, you know, being the clinician, but also knowing that, whether you currently are or were on the other side of that couch mm-hmm. is really important to, I think, yeah. moving forward. Yeah. One of the clinicians who works, you know, this clinic actually, you know, we had a, a meeting and one day she said, I was super, a group supervision and she said, um, you know, um, she was, she was, I mean, she was talking about like buying into it and, and she was talking about, you know, th- the client can see right through you, you know? And so, um, if you've never been through nothing, you don't need to be in this field, so mm-hmm. to speak, you know, because, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, and what she and I and, you know, at first it was like, oh, wow, I can't believe, you know, like she said that. But but it was so true because the reality is if you're sitting there, and you're telling someone, oh, and the person is pouring out their pain, pouring out their struggles to you. And then you're the type of person that says, well, I never been through no trauma. I never been through nothing. And I'm here to help you. How are you going to do that? Mm-hmm. You know, but one thing that is universal, no matter what you've gone through, no matter where you came from, pain, you know, like when we all experience pain. Mm-hmm. So and we know what pain looks like. We all know what crying looks like, et cetera, et cetera. So you don't have to necessarily have gone through that person's particular um, situation, but if you can tap into your own pain and remember what that was like, mm-hmm. yeah, you've um, you've done a lot of, of work right then and there. And I think people like, you know, those of us who's on the other side of the couch, mm-hmm. you know, we, we appreciate that when we can see that we're talking to a human. Yeah. That it's not just a textbook who's just going to be like, oh, this sounds like, you know, they're going through their book real quick because they can't, they can't identify. Absolutely. Yeah. So <laughs> I've, yeah. I've, I've seen my fair share. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, oh, yes, that's right. That one woman. Um, so, yeah, no, definitely. So now. Now you have your, you know, you've you've been practicing, you're a clinician. I mean, like, what what is it, or how is it, rather, being a clinician, executive director of global trauma research? Like, how, like, explain to us, like, how does, how does your day look? Like, 
what what does it consist of? Oh wow, mm, my day, huh? Yes, <laughs> it's long. I'll say mm-hmm. that much. Um, it starts off at um, literally starts work. I start working at seven o'clock in the morning. Um, I'm not up at seven. I'm up before that, but I start working at seven a.m. And um, so there's so many different aspects, and I think that going into this position as the executive director, I honestly didn't know what I was getting into. I think had I known what I was getting into, I probably wouldn't have done it. <laughs> uh, but I'm already in, you know, all the way in. So you might as well finish strong, you know. Or fast, like Pastor Bernard says, finish well. Um, but it consists of a lot of background work. Like, so granted, you know, we have um, patients, participants, as we call them here, who come in and um and you know they they get an opportunity to sit in the, the the chair they get an opportunity to share their story and we get an opportunity to support them in their treatment right and so when you come here during the day it just seems like oh oh wow this is really nice it's like a spa here and mm-hmm. it's so it's so warm and comfortable etc cetera, etc cetera. and even when we do we do our trainings and our um in our in the conferences and whether they're former training in other countries etc you know people get it like a really great experience but the background work is like super crazy from raising funds is a big one right from meeting the right people the right stakeholders getting the partnerships for the right stakeholders. So there's constantly, so my day looks like I'm always on my phone. There's always an email. There's always a phone call. There's always a crisis. There's Mm -hmm. always a, you know, there's always a, I don't know what to do, or this is a mess and it's upside down and, you know, come fix this. So that's really what it looks like. Um, But it's, it's great though, because I, even this weekend, as people were asking me or every time I, I have conversations with about it, I said, I love it though. Like, Every single part mm-hmm. of it. And um, and I go to sleep with a smile on my face. So at the end of the day, that is, that's it, you know. And it's a, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of stress. It's a lot of, it's a huge responsibility. Mm-hmm. I mean, here, just our clinic alone is, we have people have to have access to us 24-7. So even though I leave here and at night, let's say it's 3 o'clock in the morning and I have an on-call supervisor and let's say, for example, she misses the crisis call because mm-hmm. we have a crisis line. And if patients need to call, they call the line. I'm second in command. So sometimes I get those calls three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning. And you have to like either help the, get the person in the hospital or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. So it's always something happening, you know, um, and it is a lot. It's very overwhelming, but it's good overwhelming, though. Like I say all the time, I'd rather be this kind of busy they're not busy at all so (laughs) no it makes a lot of sense like I feel because for me I'm just like you know I'm thinking you know you've run the organization Mm -hmm. and then you're also you know taking patients a lot of times you'll find people who are you know well I'm not seeing patients right now no okay yeah 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 not right now I actually stopped that in 2017 (laughs) which was was... we're in 2017 yeah yeah January meaning I stopped in January yeah because (laughs) I closed my last case I had one last case and I closed it around November December of last year and I had to do that or I would have lost my mind I was gonna to say because I'm like yeah. I don't you know as as a patient <laughs> I 
I know what you know what yeah. you're giving off to the clinician. So I can't imagine that you'd also have to like you know yeah. do that as well. I mean, I love being in the therapy room though, and I and I want to go back, and I will go back. Um, but at the same time, I really need this to be like a stronger um, structure mm-hmm. here first. And um, and when we and if that ever happens, um, we'll we'll be able to go back. I'll be able to go back into the room. But for now, but I feel like I still have all these cases though because I supervise everybody mm-hmm. else's cases. So you so know. essentially, you still kind of they might not be your personal mm-hmm. case file. Yeah, but you're still like involved. Oh yeah. So oh, yeah. I speak sense, to the patients all the time. I answer the emergency calls. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm um, thinking, you know, I, I feel like at that mm-hmm. point, you're you're still you're still doing that job. <laughs> and yes. running everything. Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of wanted to, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, professional women and, and you know, mental health. Okay. And as you are clearly from your bio, mm-hmm. <laughs> Dr. Florence, a, the professional woman, and you happen to be a mental health, you know, practitioner. So yeah. you kind of understand it you know full circle like you have the 100% understanding of what it is to be a professional black woman yeah uh, of you know Haitian descent um you know and you know understanding the realm of mental health and how you know one can play on the other in a sense Mm -hmm. so you know a lot of my friends um you know we most of my friends are attorneys Mm -hmm. and high you know high stress environments um, you know, prior to working where I was now, where I am now, you know, I was working district attorney's office, high caseloads, you know, we're talking about criminal law. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of, it's, it's very intense. And, you know, a lot of times we don't know how to handle intense situations. We probably weren't raised to learn how to deal and cope. And, you know, we just, mm-hmm. we just live. Right. Um, so I find that, you know, navigating the workplace, especially in high intense settings Mm -hmm. and, you know, being this woman of color and we have all of this, whether it's baggage or, you know, insecurities and again, lack of coping skills. Um, sometimes we just tend to just be a mess, Mm -hmm. but because we weren't raised with the thought of, Hey, speak to somebody Mm -hmm. who's not your pastor. Yeah. Or your best friend. <laughs> um, seek, you know, like mental health is, is taboo and it's still taboo. And uh, especially for me, at least in the Haitian culture, I find that it's still taboo to say that I'm going to go see a mental health specialist. Um, it just becomes really difficult. And so instead of seeking out help, you know, we either, you know, run to the girlfriends or we run to um, our our pastors. But we continue to go through the day, continue to go through life in these high, you know, intense job settings we have families some of us have children we have responsibilities in the church probably had deaconess or whatever Mm -hmm, it is mm -hmm. it's like you know this has to all be playing and weighing on Mm -hmm. us mentally but you know it's i kind of want to get from you like what i mean clearly you've seen this before yeah um but how does somebody who's in you know our position Mm -hmm. um kind of really treat themselves in a way like that's not directly let's go sign up for the therapist tomorrow Mm -hmm. but how can we you know in a sense alleviate a lot of these stresses that we get as just just simply from being professional women of color uh that's a good point like i i i go by the philosophy of meeting people where they're at right and so um 
I say this, but you know, I want to explain. So I want to caution what I'm about to say. The tradition, the um, sorry, the professional professional mental health services are not not for everyone, right? And so, um, some people they won't thrive in a one-on-one um, clinical setting, um, and they may not thrive in it in that particular moment. Um, in their life, right, because they're just not ready for it yet, or they may never thrive in that particular environment because it just doesn't, it's just not, mm-hmm. um, it just doesn't match their personality or their situation, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, I, of course, of course, I'm an advocate for, for therapy, but I also am an advocate for mental health support. And I think that that can look so many different ways for so many different people, mm-hmm. right? So, um, for people who are educated on, on um, or um, informed is a better, probably a better word, on counseling and what it is and the responsibility that comes with that. Because, you know, sometimes we, one of the things that we have in our intake um, here is we ask for people, especially providers who are referring people from all over, whether from court, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> where you attorneys are referring people <laughs> to us. <laughs> And then I say, I always ask, I, I especially the attorneys, because we get a lot of referrals from BDS, Brooklyn Defender okay, Services. Yes. And, and I say, does the client know that you're referring them to counseling? <laughs> yes, they do. Do they understand what counseling is? <laughs> and then they're like, oh, well, I told them they need it. So you see, that may not work because that person will come here and then when they start to fully understand what this is, they'll come for like two or three times and then we'll never see them again. And what happens with that is that's pretty dangerous because we're here, we're in the business of treating trauma. So what we do is that we open up a lot of wounds mm-hmm. with the purpose, with the intention anyway, rather, to heal those wounds. And when we don't get an opportunity to close that bandage, right, we've let, left you out there in the open, all exposed. And I really don't like that. <laughs> so um, so I say that to say that, um, you know, sometimes people in, in a particular place where it's just too much going on. And it's a big responsibility because you have to come here once a week, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to give us an hour. And what's happening to you right now? Or do you have the financial means to, like, to be that flexible? Do you have childcare? And it goes on mm-hmm. and on and on and on and on, right? So... Um, someone like that wouldn't benefit actually from from counseling. They probably would probably be, be more of a hindrance for them, even though they may even be court mandated, you know. So, <laughs> so um, but you know, there's some people you talked about um, attorneys, and you know, that's a lot of your friends who have like really, really um, strong positions and high stress jobs and things like that. And even them, sometimes it may not be a right fit because what. Um, I may ask, like, okay, well, what's your background? You know, where, um, what do you believe? What's most important to you, et cetera, et cetera. So, for those people who have some understanding or are well informed of what counseling is, or have some type of understanding of counseling, mm-hmm. is when they come and we give them a more a ground. You know, we ground them on what counseling looks like. We tell them what it's how long it's going to take before you can even see like a small amount of change. Mm-hmm. And some people are not really with that either. Like, okay, you know, it's, and especially for, for example, um, diagnosis like depression, right? Especially if you're not on medication. It's a very, very subtle, subtle change. 
you won't, don't really notice that you're doing better, and even though you are, you're improving every week, but you won't necessarily see it until, let's say, four months later, three, four months later. That's a long time. It's a long time. And I'm thinking, yeah. like, one of the biggest challenges for me, you know, actually committing mm-hmm. to therapy is the time factor. That, yeah. like, wait, every week I have to put this hour aside? Yeah. Like, my schedule, you know, it's, it's very rare that you'll find a therapist to be like, all right, I could do Mondays this week, Fridays next week. week. Yeah, yeah. And so I feel like a lot of us, we shy away from that because we're like, we ain't got time to sit down mm-hmm. and talk to anybody. Like, that's an hour that I could have been doing something else. So yeah. I find, like, that definitely... Um, scares people away from sitting down and actually speaking to therapists. Yeah, but it's a reality, though. And so, like, I, again, I'm, of course, I'm a big advocate for, um, you know, professional um, or formal mental health counseling and psychotherapy and psychiatry. But I'm also a a realist, right? And I also, in a lot of, the way that we work here is we provide um, counseling in culture. So our Mm. big theme is culture and trauma, Right. And so we're clear that with with culture, we also have to be realistic about, you know, what's feasible for people. So because we do that, our numbers are are amazing because people come in and there we really well inform them before they start the process. We um, tailor everything to what their needs will look like. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, You know, we're asking them, okay, well, what time of day, what language, what sex or gender, you know, of your therapist, would you prefer? How do we incorporate your religion and your spirituality and your culture and your traditions and things Mm -hmm. like that? And all of that, when when you put it all together, then they'll probably be more willing to do it. Mm -hmm. And if they're not ready yet and we say, it's okay, so let's give you some resources or let's give you some tools that you can do on your own until you get to the place where you're ready and then you can come back and this will really work so for your friends or for anyone else or anyone's listening and there's so many other things that you can do that um when if you're not ready for formal counseling yet um or maybe you never will be ready um you at the end of the day right um we we really got to see what level you are that's first that's what my suggestion is Mm -hmm. so there's stress there's distress and there's disorder right okay and i like to think about it in terms of like a ruler right so all some type of stress is good so for example someone planning a wedding they're really really stressed out but it's a good kind of stress right (laughs) or as I talk about like me being stressed out at work all the time but I'm like loving it so Mm -hmm. you need some levels of stress in your life so that's like a level like zero to three or something like that right and then somebody for example goes through like a car accident and et cetera et cetera so um, and or they you know have relationship issues or they probably have like you know some family stuff or even financial they're under there may be anywhere from like a four to let's say a, a five or a six or something like that. Um, that now that person may want to go to counseling, but do they necessarily need it? No, they really don't. Mm-hmm. They can, they can do some self care stuff. They can um, reduce their workload. Right? They can tap in, believe it or not, I know you talked about it earlier and we kind of laughed about it, but they can tap into their friendships, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, 
they can tap into their friendships. They can um, join a support group, right? And they could be in a group of, of people, similar experiences, and they're, you know, they're all sharing exact. These are not professionals, right? Mm-hmm. But when you're sitting with a group, of, think about you just sitting with a group of your girlfriends, and then you guys are talking about something like, okay, law school. You sit mm-hmm. in a group, and you're like, oh my God, remember how stressful law school was? And I feel like right now I'm back in that same kind of stress mm-hmm. environment. But just having that conversation with those group of women about the same like minded experiences is very helpful. I can see right? that. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, distress, right? When you get to a place of distress, meaning that your stress level has is now affecting, you know, the way that you function, whether it be at work, at home, etc. And then people, not only you, but other, or maybe you don't even realize, but people are clearly starting to see differences in your behavior, then you are in a place of distress. That's where I would definitely say counseling Mm -hmm. should come in, right? Or can come in. Um, But not, but it doesn't have to as well. Again, you know, you may not be ready for that. And I actually do recommend um, leaders in your church um, who have, you know, some type of training or, because I, I consider pastors, religious leaders, community leaders, I consider them co-therapists. Okay. Yeah. I think that it takes that village kind of approach. And the way that GTR, the way we work is a, um, we use um, Bruffenbrunner's bio bioecological model as our framework, which means that we look at the systems approach, not only you as the individual, because in therapy, it's looking at the individual, but we believe in looking at the system. So mm-hmm. how are your friends and family influence you? How does your culture influence you? How does your community influence? How does the government influence you, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so, um, so yeah, so someone who probably has a little bit more formal training, not a therapy mm-hmm. formal training, but some type of training where they're dealing with conflict, you can go and you can talk to, to that person. The only time that you should always see a mental health professional is when you are, when it is clear that that person is having suicidal thoughts, mm-hmm. homicidal thoughts, right? Or they're having, they have a very serious disorder. So like schizoaffective, schizophrenia, and that incident, and that in that in those instances, the reality is of someone, the community is you are overwhelming to yeah. the community. And they <laughs> they can't help. And they not maybe yeah, they they really To an extent, but maybe, you know, but they could take help you get to the doctor to give you the medication. Exactly. Exactly. So and even with therapy, one thing that one one big component of our therapy is we understand that even though you have just made the move and you feel like it's time, you prepared for it and you're ready to go on this journey with us called counseling. Um, we're also clear that you're only here one hour a mm-hmm. week. And so we still want that the systems to be involved in the efforts as well because that's the only way it's really going to work. And I think that's really important because I feel like even the time that I've, um, you know, went to therapy, mm-hmm. it's like that one hour is never enough. You it's think not, about it, like even yeah. with myself who's like, oh, I don't have time for this. But when you actually sit in the chair, you're like, wait, already? Like, yeah. I have to leave. So it's like when you do leave, it's like there's this, like, weird, like, limbo that you're, you know, experiencing. And I think that's where having a good group of, whether it be female friends, male friends in general, or, or like support, you said, like, or, or religious support, you know, leader mm-hmm. of some sort to kind of, like, um, work hand in hand with the therapy yeah. that you're receiving. Absolutely. That's the only way it's going to work. Um, and, you know, we're not granted, because uh, this, this um 
um, through our audience of people of color, I'm mm-hmm. assuming, right? So we granted we live in the West, but we are we may not necessarily have the upbringing or the the values of, of Western ways of thinking. Yeah. And the reality is that we, as people of color, right, cannot rely just on that one hour per week to feel better. It's not going to work. Yeah. It's not going to work. And and a, a good therapist um, who understands culture and counseling will, um, which is our hashtag, by the way, GTR, okay. culture and, <laughs> hashtag culture and counseling. <laughs> but... Um, who really understands culture and counsel will always ask you about how can we involve your family, your friends, and your other support systems, your community, and mm-hmm. your treatment. And that I like. I actually have um, a friend of mine who's who created a, um, it's kind of like a, I don't know if you've heard of talk space. It's kind of like a text uh talk I think I, video I think chat it sounds world. familiar so this is kind of like a variation of that but it's kind of with the same mission of making mental health um you know treatment um accessible okay in a sense so um with his um company it's called uh my true circle okay so it's kind of like you know myself you you're the clinician you know we're either doing a video chat but i can also like kind of like bring in somebody else in the in the video oh, chat nice. so it's kind of it could be like a three a three way in a sense okay so you know i think that that you know that's i find that to be really helpful because sometimes you know it's you have your personal <clears throat> issues but then like there might be a situation that might involve you know somebody else or maybe you just might want like that support from a loved one mm-hmm. in your session yeah um so for those who can't maybe physically actually go out to you know a center and or yeah. a, you know a clinician's office and actually receive the you know in person um, therapy you can do so you know via technology and yeah telemedicine is becoming very very popular yeah and yeah. it's really convenient um, I was you know I had talk space um, just for a little bit like I was feeling a little overwhelmed mm-hmm. you know sometimes when I feel like very overwhelmed because I'm doing a million things at a time like yeah. I just feel like okay I don't want a nervous breakdown let me talk to somebody who's yeah. trained to kind of you know say Rita you're doing too much mm-hmm. <laughs> let's mm-hmm. drop this let's drop that yeah. um but it was really convenient for me to be able to and I, it was simply texting actually i didn't even have a phone conversation or video oh, chat wow. and at first i was skeptical because i was like who's you know chatting away feelings yeah but you know it was very thorough and in-depth like if i give an in-depth response and i would actually have to stop what i'm doing and focus mm-hmm. and really like pour into this text message mm-hmm. um and i found it to be very you know very, uh, I don't know, I was very receptive to it, but it was very effective. Okay. Uh, but that was for me. Yeah. I feel like another individual, that probably would be too much for them and they have to have like the one-on-one. Yeah. yeah. Um. You know, the, just like our experiences are very subjective, therapy has to be subjective mm-hmm. as well. And so even as I said, you know, uh, with the... You, um, you know, the treatment for some people and who and you well informed, blah, 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 all the other stuff that I mentioned. Um, even with that, it's still individualized. Like one one way for one person mm-hmm. doesn't work for the next. And so each person that comes into our clinic, we have that way of thinking for them that we're going to tailor an individualized plan for this particular person. So that way we can make sure that they come and they stay mm-hmm. and then they leave, you know, happy. Yeah. Cause I think that's 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 the the main idea, right? Getting them to the point of like, okay, you know, you, you, they come in, you know, feeling either broken or whatever it is, but then when they leave, they kind of leave a sense of wholeness in a sense and kind of, because I think some people are skeptical 
with therapy. And again, those who are informed, I like to, I like that word as opposed mm-hmm. to educated, but those who are informed, sometimes it's like it's just there's so much um so much skepticism when it comes to, you know, mental illness and mental health treatments yeah. and support groups. And like sometimes people are just like, oh, I don't really know. Um, because they don't understand um that it's a process. Yeah. It's not like three weeks. I'm out four weeks. I'm out. Like it can take, like, it's funny. I think I know somebody who's been in therapy for years and I'm like, Oh yeah. What? (laughs) Like that bill is crazy. But for me, it's like, but you know, now being more informed, Mm -hmm. um, I see how that's a possibility. Like I see how, you know, because it's like, there's always something going on. And especially if you, you know, come from an environment where, you know, you didn't, you weren't given like the foundational tools. Mm-hmm. Like for me, I learned through therapy, like coping. Like I never really learned how to cope with certain things. Yeah. So I internalize things and I just keep moving. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm the type of person at some point, like my body would just give out on me. And it's Got like, it. you didn't know how to deal with it. You don't know how to deal with stress. You just yeah. keep, okay, keep eating, keep eating. And then bam, yeah. your body's like, it's over. Right, right. But, you know, learning how to, you know, slowly but surely like, learn coping mechanisms so that, you know, I don't just like, you know, clonk out at some point was important for me, but I could imagine there are people who have a whole host of issues. Oh yeah. Never addressed, never even knew that these were issues. Absolutely. Um, and it, it takes time to it kind takes of like a deal very, with it. For some people, it takes a very, very long time. And then for, and it's interesting because some people, they may have like, let's say more things have might have happened to them than you, right? Mm-hmm. But because your personality is might be a little bit more rigid than that particular person's personality, that person will, even though they say they have 10 times more things than you, they can get through it in six months. And you, it takes you three years because and you only have one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? <Yeah>. And, <laughs> but, but yeah, because it again, it's it's so individualized, it's so subjective that, um, you know, you 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 find so many, uh, you just find so many differences and so many different people and how long the treatment lasts and what's the expectations. But but one thing I must say though is that at the end of the day, no matter how it happens, it works. Now I think maybe lastly, what I want to like just briefly touch upon so. Why do you... Th- I mean, I've heard these... I don't know if they're real statistics, but, you know, women of color, mm-hmm. we go through a, a lot and we bring a lot to the workplace. <laughs> and because of the many hats that we wear, it's it's just that, you know, we, we go through such a hard time um, navigating not just the workplace, but life. But again, we... For whatever reasons, you know, we don't really tap into the resources that are available. When I say professional women, those who are informed, who who know that these things exist. Yeah, yeah. So not just, you know, like an individual who has no idea, you know, what mental illness is, like mm-hmm. what the effects are. But, you know, a lot of us, like we, we do know what mental yeah. illness is. We do know what high stress is. We do know what depression is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, a lot of our, you know, um, whether it be our backgrounds or whether it be our current situations or whatever it is, we have, there's so many factors that contribute to like the overload that we <clears throat> go through. Um, but I, I know, I know we talked about, um, therapy, not necessarily being like formal therapy, rather not necessarily being, um, the answer for mm-hmm. everyone. Yeah. But I know you talked about self 
self-care things that we can do. Yeah. Like, what are some of the self-care things that we can do? You know, keeping in mind, you know, these are women who are just, you know, they're all over the place. Mm -hmm. We have, you know, their heads of all sorts of, you know, businesses and companies. They have kids. And they're just like, I just don't have time. But, Mm -hmm. you you know, we're running ourselves rugged. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we all know that at some point, if we don't take care of ourselves, we're just going to collapse, right? So to be able to keep up with the demands of work and life in general, like what are some things we can actually do um, to kind of like, you know, self-care? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think the first and foremost thing is that you can know everything about, you know, mental health challenges and, 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 and what the causes and symptoms, et cetera, et cetera. But first and foremost, you have to accept the fact that you are have you're overwhelmed, you know, or burnt that's out. That's true too. Yeah. You're like, that's the number one <laughs> because you know, when you have the superwoman complex, right? That I think we talked about even yeah. before we got on the air, you know, the superwoman complex. We really do believe that um we're superwoman. I have a friend of mine who's always calling herself a strong black woman, right? <laughs> I mean ain't nothing wrong with the term. Right, right. But right, but this is what she says after that. She's like, so uh, for instance, like um, you know, she's like, oh my God, it was so crazy this weekend blah 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 blah. this is what I had to do I had to do and then she said but I'm a strong black woman I could do anything huh hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so but that's the expectation society this, it is its expectation so the first and foremost my friend you know and let's say I'll call her Sarah right I have first and foremost I say Sarah you are a strong black woman and yes you can do everything but not right now so and if you <laughs> can you can you accept that because if you can't even get to the place of accepting that, you're not even going to be open to any kind of self-care. That's um, true, too. R- regime or whatever. So <laughs> um, so that's the first step, right? Like un- knowing that you can get burned out and knowing that you are burned out, right? Or you're getting to the place of burnout. And and that burnout is, is, is normal, especially in, you know, I think high-strung jobs. Because I think some people feel like, oh, like, this this can't be burnt out. Like, I'm not allowed to be burnt out. Yeah. So I feel like that's a thing, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, when you... But people have to start recognizing what... So even before I talk about self-care, maybe I want to just touch on really quickly about when you know that you're burnt out. Um, one of the things is, you know, you are... You're being short with a lot of people, right? Of course. <laughs> that's one. Um, you haven't taken a vacation in a very long time, right? Um, number three, you no longer like, this is a big one. You no longer like what you do mm. yeah. or you're feeling, or you no longer like what you do. And maybe you still like it because the passion somehow is still down in there, mm-hmm. but you're not looking forward to it anymore. So you're getting ready to go to work in the morning and then you're like, Oh, I have to wake up and go to work. But this is used to be the same person. Then I'm like, Oh my God, tomorrow I think I'm going to do this, that, mm-hmm. third. So, um, so I for people like that, for women like that, the superwoman, the black superwoman, um, who is a strong black woman that I can do anything, you know, <laughs> kind of woman. I my suggestion is to start very, very small and basic, literally. So, I would say, how about you just take a thirty minute lunch break and step away from your desk? 
So so no lunches at the desk, huh? No lunch at the desk. <laughs> yeah. And that's simple. That you know and I and yeah. I don't want to do and I don't want to say too big because then it's like, oh, I don't have the time. Mm-hmm. I'm, you get the I'm pushback. Su- yeah, exactly. I'm superwoman. Remember, yeah. superwoman, you know what I mean? So um so we may not even have time to even consider self-care. So just something very, very small. Like yesterday, for example, I was in the city, then I ran this and then, and then I came back here and I was feeling very overwhelmed. But then I looked at my to-do list and it had like 20 things on it and it was already like two something in the afternoon. And I said to myself, how on earth can I possibly take some... Like, and I knew I was feeling like I felt anxious. I was mm-hmm. irritated. I'll close my door. I close the curtains. That means I don't want no... When the staff know when the curtains are closed, meaning <laughs> I, I'm not open to the open door policy at that mm-hmm. moment. That I'm busy. So I said, I was fighting so badly, um, you know, in that moment. But then I said, I had to do it. So what I did was very simple. I said, I could always order my lunch, have it sit here at the, and have it, this, the receptionist bring it to my desk. I'm going to sit here and I eat it while I'm working. Or I could take walk, take a walk to the restaurant and get pick up the food. That was it. That's all I needed. And you were fine. And I was fine. Yeah. So yeah. something small like that, you know, that women could do. Um, another thing that I've started doing is um, I've designated like a particular time of the week for, for t- me time. Right? Okay. So what me time means, and I know you're a mom, so me time means um, no children. Yes. Right? Drop them off somewhere. <laughs> or, you know, they could be in the house, but, you know, you yeah, have, your like, gu- your, your guidelines, you yeah. know? So, and you don't need, and again, since you're a superwoman, you can't, it's not five hours of me time, right? Yeah. It could be two hours. It could be late at night when they're all asleep, mm-hmm. you know, like, just, and then, and I'm only asking for once a week, just one day. One and that's day. not too much to ask. That's not when too you much. really when you really think about it, it really isn't that much to ask. Yeah. How many hours do we have in, in a week? Well, oh. we have twenty four hours a day. Multiply that by seven. I'm not good in math. Okay. <laughs> whatever that is, right? We know it's over a hundred, whatever that is. Um, you know, it's so you're just taking two hours out of the entire week. Just and you would want. I mean, if you could just imagine the wonders that does. And then if you're gonna go on the wild side, I'll even go like even further to say, um, take a vacation. Take a vacation. Use your vacation days. Yeah. And not to do your side, your other business that you started. Yeah. <laughs> not I'm gonna take my vacation and then I'm going to work on Freda yes, and, 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 and Halani. <laughs> and, you know, like well, I'm sorry, I don't mean to put you on the spot. No, about but it's true. Other, uh, the, I uh, took a week vacation in July, a week, and I was in meetings every day for everything outside of my everything paid job. Because it's not so it's not catch up on my other work week yeah. right it's my vacation yes. week right <laughs> so if you so if you want to if you could really really do that and i'm telling you when i well, for business for women in business for professional women like if these three things I, you cannot even imagine the wonders it does for mental health care just the wonders just I, that just those three and i guess just workplace morale too right cuz like you were saying a couple of things about you know when you feel burnt out and i'm like mm. <laughs> 
<laughs> like I feel like I, I need a vacation. If morale that's the case. is a big one. Yeah, like if you feel like you're starting to lose morale and you're yeah. not a team play anymore. Like I don't even care. Like I don't care attitude. Yes, yes. and it's the, and these are signs of burnout. Mm-hmm. You know, and don't ignore them. That's yeah. really what it is. Don't don't ignore it because as much as you think like okay, I'm just gonna keep if I catch up, catch up, catch up, then I'll be able to take a break. No, the work will always be there. Yeah. It's not going anywhere. You have to be able to like take a moment. Like I said, even if you can't do it, it's realistic. I can't take a lunch break every day of no. the week. I can't. Like, but I for sure at least do two lunch breaks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or people wise, like me and my friend, um, we used to work at the DA's office. We used to literally like take like. 15 minutes, we go across the street, get coffee, and it was Metro Tech. So we sit down with our shades on, watching people. Oh, yeah. As we're drinking. And I'm and I when I would go back to work, I felt like so, you know, like, oh, okay, I can I can get through the rest of the day. Yeah. Because now I feel like I've I've kind of like decompressed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um another last thing I'll just add about um Another thing is, and I don't, and again, this is about time. So I, you know, I don't want to give, because we're talking about very busy women. So mm-hmm. I don't want to give too much stuff um, that don't have time. If you don't have time for counseling, you probably don't have time for a lot yeah. of things, right? <laughs> so, um, but affirmations. Mm. Yeah. Like being Mary Jane. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Like I've being seen Mary that. Jane. Like I've never done it. I haven't done it. But I, when I saw the episode where she has like all these, you know, sticky notes all yeah. over the place, I'm like, what is that for? But yeah, and then you don't have to do it that way, like with sticky notes, but um, taking a time to set the atmosphere for your day. So some people is to start start off the day they pray, they or some people meditate, some people exercise. So if you don't have time for all of that, mm-hmm. right? So you took you literally all you need is five minutes. Five minutes, affirmations. You stand in front of the mirror and you talk to yourself for five minutes. I love you. I care about you. You're great. It's okay. It is okay. Um, I'm, I, I've, I'm making the choice today to be gentle to you today. I'm making the choice to be compassionate to you. You're talking to yourself yes. now. I'm making the choice <laughs> to be compassionate to you. I'm making the choice to be compassionate to myself. I'm making the choice to love myself. I'm making the choice to be gentle with myself. I'm making the choice to be forgiving of myself, um, et cetera. Five minutes. And I feel like that would just do so much for your self-esteem when you mm-hmm. walk out. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, getting up, getting dressed, putting on the makeup, the jewelry does, you know, wonders for your esteem. But I think... Saying the, a lot of us don't say these things to us. Like we yeah. don't, we've never heard them. We don't, we yeah. don't hear them. And so it's weird for us to actually say them. But I wonder like how much better you'd feel if you do like look in the mirror yeah. and then just say like, you know, I I love you. Yeah. You you're, know, you're great. great. You're doing great. You're great. I know it's not easy, but you're it's doing the- great. <laughs> you're doing the best you can. It's true. Cause it kind of yeah. goes with that whole, like if you're not your own cheerleader, who, you know, Ooh, who's going to cheerlead yeah. for you. All right. Well, that, that was definitely, I think that was a positive note yeah. to end on because I think that a lot of us, we're just so, you know, we're just so caught up in the daily hustle and bustle mm-hmm. that, you know, forget, you know, taking the 30 minute lunch break, but we're not even, we're not even affirming ourselves. We're mm-hmm. not even saying that we're mm-hmm. doing great. And I think instead we beat up ourselves like, oh man, I forgot to do this or crap. I'm, you know, I didn't do a Absolutely. good job in this. So Absolutely. We, all that negativity, yeah. I think might even you know, add to the burnout. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, not only, like, are we, like, mad at ourselves, we're pissed off at ourselves, and we're just like, you know, now I don't want to be here anymore, and then, like, I'm tired, and, like, it's like... And then, you know, and you think you're... You think by adding more time... 
or taking less time out of other things like your break and et cetera, you know, you're producing more, but you're actually producing less. Yeah. So when you are doing better mentally, you actually produce way more. And I yeah. think a lot of us could stand, <laughs> to, you know, it's not just the vitamins and the energy, mm-hmm. but I think, and I think sometimes we think that too, like, oh, I got to take more vitamins. Like, I drink more water. It's an energy thing. Yeah. But when it really is like a mental health Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Dr. Flo, we'll definitely be back here again because we have to now find like little segments because I feel like you're a wealth of information. Oh, thank you. Thank and God. I, yeah, no, I definitely think that a lot of people are going to benefit from that because we just sometimes we just have to hear people who we trust, mm-hmm. you know, actually say these things, say it's OK. Because if one of my friends was like, we need to go talk in the mirror. I'd be like, girl, you're oh. crazy. <laughs> But you know, we have like a you know a clinician here who's like, listen, I'm telling you. you know. And then I'm and then remember what I said earlier about I was selling these things and I wasn't buying them. Mm-hmm. But now that I've been through so much, I actually buy it. And you know, <laughs> I and I, I believe it. Yeah. I believe it. I really do believe it because I it worked for me. So so yeah. definitely. So mm-hmm. I'm talking to you and I feel it too. I'm like, no, she's not She's not BSing me. I mm-hmm. can tell that she actually knows what she's talking about and she's lived it. Yeah. Living lived it, walking it. through the shoes, like that's, that's kind of what I think people want to see, yeah. you know, when they're dealing with mental health professionals, mm-hmm. like somebody who empathizes, sympathizes, yeah. Yeah. you know, truly understands and they're like, all right. But this was definitely a great talk. Thank it was you really for great actually, me. you know, talking to you. Like we've we've talked in so many other, you know, capacities, but sitting here, you know, really talking about like your journey. Mm-hmm. You know, I always knew I'm like Dr. Flo. I knew she was into school, but it was like now seeing like what like even understanding what brought you to where you yeah. are and how you kind of like went full circle. Yeah. That's exactly, you know, so I, I totally see like how so this true. went full circle. It really like, did. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think that's probably one of the, not many people can, can go through life saying that, you know, that, mm-hmm. you know, what, what they've experienced, like how they've kind of come out on the other end yeah. and you're helping people who were you, Yeah, you know? So I think that's definitely a blessing. It is. So everyone, that's a wrap for episode eight of Frida's World Podcast. We just want to take this time once again to thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in today, being part of this community, being part of this experience where women can have open, honest, and you know, just candid discussions about who we are, where we come from, you know, what you know, what we're going through. It's really important to have a space for us to really have these discussions. And we really thank you, Dr. Flo, for, you know, sharing your journey with us and basically being open, honest, and candid about how you want, how you even became the professional that you are, sharing intimate moments with us and basically, you know, being so transparent um, on this show. And we definitely support what it is that you're doing with the global trauma research. We definitely want to hear more about the amazing things that you are doing for the community, both domestic and abroad. And we especially are thankful for the jewels that you dropped on us today. You know, as professional women, we... We are, uh, we have the superwoman complex. We think we could do everything. We think, you know, we're expected to do everything. There's just so much on us. But the one thing that we neglect is ourselves. We don't engage in self-care. And, you know, we don't, we don't really do a good job of taking care of ourselves. And, you know, I'm very thankful for some of the, you know, tips that you kind of gave today to, 
engage in that self-care and to kind of get us to a point where we're not experiencing this burnout that we all at some point in our careers have gone through or are currently going through. Um, I know myself, I've gone through periods of burnout. And a lot of times we're like, oh, we hate our jobs. We don't, we know, and we end up leaving our jobs prematurely when all we really needed to do was take a step back and maybe take a couple 30 minute uninterrupted lunch breaks and we would have been fine. Or taking a real vacation, even if it's a staycation, but, you know, a staycation at home where we're not taking meetings and taking care of everything else, but ourselves. So definitely, I think that we all could stand to put into practice this, you know, idea of self-care and to not neglect ourselves. You know, I really, really enjoyed the portion about just waking up in the morning and giving yourself positive affirmations. I love myself. Today's going to be a good day because there is power in the tongue. I truly believe that. And, you know... It's something that I should do more of. I don't do more of it. I think I engage more in the, uh, crappy day. Uh, it's Monday. It's going to be horrible. As opposed to saying, you know what, today I'm going to take today by storm. Um, I think if we all kind of engaged in that, it would definitely do a lot for, you know, our workplace morale. We would feel better. We would do better. Um, And I think we would see, you know, changes, even if it's just slight. So everybody, again, thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to learn more about Frida Women NYC, you know, we're not just an accessory line, but we are a movement. Um, You know, we are all about women empowerment. We're all about professional development. You can go to our website at www.frida, F-R-E-E-D-A, Women NYC, where you can check out our accessory line. And you could also click on the blog tab and learn about, um, you know, our social impact initiative. You can see um, our weekly blog posts, um, et cetera. So definitely go on and um, check it out if you are on social media. You can find us on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter at Frida, F-R-E-E-D-A, Women NYC. Please comment, share, like, and let's take this to the next level. Have a good week, everyone. See you next week. 